This episode of MBSing is sponsored by Field Notes brand. USA made memo books and other products, including seasonal limited editions. Visit fieldnotesbrand.com or 400 North May. I do my head toss, check my nails. Baby, how you feeling? Hello, welcome to MBSing. I'm your host, Mary Beth Smith. My guest today is my friend Allie Barthwell, and she talks to me about her love of the NBC show Smash. If you're unfamiliar or missed the two seasons that existed of Smash, Allie does a wonderful job of breaking down how the show is structured and what each episode might look like. And that is a pretty daunting task from what it seems as she described it, because it seems like there was a lot going on maybe sometimes to the detriment of the show so I think really what this conversation boils down to is Allie kind of celebrating her love for something that's not necessarily perfect and being able to pinpoint its uh, pitfalls and ways that it maybe could have been a more successful show but while still willing to celebrate the things that it really got right and the things that were so enticing for her as someone who loves and thrives on watching the creative process echoed in creative endeavors in TV shows. She's a self-proclaimed trash TV watcher and recapper for many different sites, uh, for many different shows of the housewife, bachelorette, ilk. And you can find out more about that. Follow her on Twitter, WTFlankSteak. I think it's probably the best way to see all of the pieces that she writes and we're actually going to be performing together yet again in a Cards Against Humanity live improv show on this Friday the 26th at the Greenhouse Theater here in Chicago. I believe there are a few tickets left if you are listening to this on the day it's released. Check it out. Maybe you can slide in for that show that I'm very much looking forward to. Another thing you may want to check Allie out in is the One Shot podcast that is hosted by my recent guest, James D'Amato. Allie has been on that show a number of times over the years, and I'm sure there is a way to access just her featured spots if you just want more Allie specifically. And it may very well be an entry point into the rest of that podcast, which is a fellow member of the Chicago Podcast Co-op with MBSing. I don't think I want to belabor too many more plugs. Another show in the podcast co-op you can check out is Your Stories. Our member of the Nerdalogs, Eric Garneau, just got back from a two-week tour with this show all over the West, and he's slowly releasing those episodes, and he's already released a couple goodies out of Los Angeles. So there's plenty of podcasting to be had. There's a fun live show to be had at the end of this week. And I think, without further ado, I'd love for you to get into the world of Smash. My guest today is Allie Barthwell, and we're going to talk about her love of the NBC Smash Smash. Smash. I mean, I would not call it a smash. It was like not necessarily. A, a mild hit. <laughs> yeah, the the NBC show that existed, Smash. smash. Yes. <laughs> uh, what's the origin of your love for Smash? I, I remember, I don't remember like how I heard about it, but mm-hmm. I, I remember it came out like the year, it maybe came out like when I was in college or right after I was in college, mm-hmm. and it was just like... This is a, a scripted drama, a scripted nighttime soap of the making of a Broadway musical. 
And the like tie-in to make it like accessible is that the musical is about like the life and times of Marilyn Monroe. Oh, that's the show that's, that's at the right. center of it. Yeah. And so it was like, okay, this is an easily digestible like musical idea. Yeah. And it has Deborah Messing, Angelica mm-hmm. Houston, um, and then a bunch of like actual Broadway people, like Christian Borles in it. And Megan Hilty, who's in like in a production of Wicked, like uh-huh. so actual like Broadway people are also in it, and they're doing original songs every week. And so, like, I heard a podcast of another one of the writers, and they were like, the like dictum of the show is there will be one song from the musical Smash, one song that is like a standard or like a pop hit that they can like do and then like another original song so there were like always like three songs an episode and they all happen like in the moment they're it's not that musical thing where they're like singing the plot or singing their emotions they do like cover i think it's called diegetic diegetic Yeah. yeah so they're all like so but the fun of the like one of the weird quirky things of the show is they kept finding reasons like where people would burst into song. Right. So they had cuz it was like So it making c- it diegetic made it a little harder yeah. to sell. <laughs> so they'd have to be like, "Okay, well we're we'll go to karaoke like every other week." That's so and funny. We will like what some of the there's one where they go to like it's literally like dance karaoke where <laughs> they get up and like So the main character is uh, her name's Karen Cartwright. She's played by Catherine McPhee. Mm-hmm. And, like, they basically become, like, one person. Like, <laughs> there is no difference between, like, how plain and brunette they are. <laughs> and, and her whole the thing. Character the character Catherine and Catherine McPhee. <laughs> and the whole thing. I mean, she started as, what, a runner-up on right. American Idol. And, it, and so NBC basically got a development deal with her. <clears throat> So out of the show before the show. So like out of American Idol, there was like some she was going to get on a show. Man, good for her. She was going to be the main character of a show. And it like didn't matter. So she ended up on Smash. And so as a result. okay, so the the plot of the show. Is Catherine McPhee stars as Karen Cartwright, who is like fresh off the bus from Iowa and has no Broadway credits, no like a resume that is just like she has that she won. She like, sang in church. Yeah, she won like Artichoke Queen <laughs> at like the state fair, and that's like on her res her acting resume. She's going out for Broadway gigs, and she auditions for the part of Marilyn Monroe. So the lead in a Broadway musical, a girl who has never appeared about Marilyn about Marilyn Monroe, freaking Monroe. A cup Catherine Hilde, <laughs> Catherine McPhee ends up auditioning for the part of Marilyn Monroe, and the so the pilot is the audition for the play. So it's the there's two writers, um, Tom and Julia, played by Christian Borle and Deborah Messing, and they're it's them coming up with the idea for the musical writing the first song in the musical and it's they're they're doing a uh, a demo with this woman that they know Ivy Lynn who is amazing and she her, her whole thing is she like looks the part and she's like the seasoned veteran oh. she looks like Marilyn and she, but she's just been like kicking around in the chorus after cor- like she's needs- like probably the person in that in reality would yes, get this kind of this, role. Right. And it's like, this would be her big break. Right. Like, she's been in the chorus. She's been, like, 
a featured, but like this would be her Jessie first. Jesse Mueller gets to be uh, Carol King. Exactly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly. Like it's the it's the moment right. for her. And uh-huh. so they do this demo of like one of the songs and it gets leaked. So then they're like, oh fuck, we'll just make it. Like that, there's all, it's always like, well, we'll just make it. That's so, they're, so funny. So they start auditioning. And that's what I was thinking was, yeah. they are writing the show that they and, then audition. <laughs> <laughs> like in the show, they're like, we have three that's songs. that they're process like, happens. Right. So they're like, we're going to workshop it. So we need someone to be in the workshop. Okay. So it's uh, Catherine McPhee uh-huh. it auditions and she gets a call back. Again, no Nothing on her resume. Artichoke queen. <laughs> Artichoke queen. Nothing would suggest that she can do this. But she gets a call, and it's her and, and Ivy. And so it's Karen and Ivy. So the the thrust of the like the first half of the first season is who's going to be Marilyn. Oh. And they keep kind of going back and forth of, like, is it going to be Ivy? Is it going to be Karen? And, like... So they don't even cast it until halfway through the first season? It's, like, right, because they... So the director also is like this sleaze bag, mm. and he—I forget his name is Derek Wills. I forget the actor's name. He played the like the British commodore in parts of the Caribbean, like the oh. one that she's supposed to marry. Uh, yeah, I know who you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and he is like is keeps seducing like trying to seduce Karen and she doesn't fall for it and then he seduces Ivy and they end up sleeping together and then it ends up that Ivy gets the part in the workshop so they're gonna like do like a bare bones production of this musical Uh so you're seeing the like writing process at the same time as the like acting directing process plus all of the characters like personal stories going Uh on and like the thing that's so bonkers about Smash is it like will drop and pick up a story like at random. <laughs> so, like, the entire... It's just whoever they decide to write right, a song just, for. Yeah. <laughs> or it's just, like... So, Deborah Messing's character is trying to adopt a baby. Mm. Oh, from, wow. From China. And so, like, the whole first... So, she's, like, this pa- a t- type A, yes. like, power uh, yeah, yeah, Broadway yeah. writer. Broadway she's, like, writer. I gotta have a kid. I gotta adopt a baby. She has, like, a 17-year-old son. Really? And she's, like, we need to adopt a baby from China. Gotcha. Unc- like, it's never explained, like, Ugh. did they try and couldn't have another kid? Or, like, what's going on? Is this a status symbol thing? Right. Like, why are they doing this? And her husband is, like, a physic, a high school physics teacher. And that's always, like, he's all, like, using, like, metaphors of, like... <laughs> I miss the periodic table. Like, when he's like, I got to go back to work. Oof. But so they're trying to adopt a baby. But that just, like, ends. Like, that plot line just, like, ends. <laughs> and they're just like, oh, they have, like, a few, like, very touching moments where, like, they're asked. One of the things they do, I don't know if this is, like, something you do in an adoption, but they ask to write a letter to the birth mother of the baby. Mm-hmm. Um, even though it's, like, they say, like, oh, in China, some of the babies, like, are abandoned or they're orphans so you it may not even go to the mother but it's like for your process uh, sure and so they have like a very touching scene of like deborah messing reading this letter that she wrote to the birth mother of this baby that she wants to get and then it just never <laughs> goes anywhere there's just they just never have that baby so it's like at the so like the the weirdness of the show is like you're watching a broadway musical be written and like as in the the show within the show, there's, like, things. They're, like, oh, this character comes in and out, and they create characters. And and in the second season, um, 
there's another show that's like be- there's two shows that are being written in there competing, which like the second season two totally different shows. Two t- it's like that's not well, it's working on Smash the, anymore. The Maryland musical and then a different one. Oh, okay, that okay. Like, so it is one of them. Yeah, that it, the musical in the second season is like. A proxy for rent, like oh, it is funny. described, and it's every. It's like it's the next. Rent. <laughs> that's so funny. Which we can get to because that is also bonkers. But <laughs> yeah, I'm sure they try to do so, so much with that. So you're watching like a show within a show be written and crafted, and you're seeing like parts going in, parts going out, and there's moments where you're like watching the musical within the show, and you're like, every song is a Maryland song, because they're going back and forth between, like, sometimes oh. Ivy sings them, sometimes Karen sings them, because, like, Ivy will get sick, and Karen will have to step in, like, all these different things, but at the end of the day, you're like, there's no other characters. It's like a one-woman show That's about really Marilyn Monroe, funny. but it, they keep pretending that it's this, <laughs> No like, Joe huge, DiMaggio here. <laughs> they keep pretending it's this, like, huge ensemble cast, and, like, they'll have, like, one Joe DiMaggio thing, or, uh-huh. like, one at the end. Um, but so you're watching this like musical being created at the same time you're kind of like what's going on in the writer's room of Smash like of the actual show because things are like coming and going and characters behave like wildly different <laughs> from like episode to episode and they just do things that like no human oh, person does. Boy. Uma Thurman is in the first episode in the first season. Wow. She plays uh she ends up. She plays a like a star that comes in to open the musical because they're like, we got it. It's we're taking too long. We can't get any Tack like some talent on here. We have to like put a name in the show. Right. So they hire Uma Thurman, who plays Rebecca Duvall, who is like, I'm trying to think of like what would be her like analogous. It would be like if it was like. Charlize Theron, but without the Oscars. Like oh, she's that's funny. she's in like spy movies and like action movies. Okay. And she so Uma Thurman sings in the show. Can she, she has she done like movie musicals? She did the producers, but I don't remember if this was before oh, or after. But it's like that's right. The whole thing is they're like, she can't sing. We're putting right. her in a musical that is like has huge ballads and like belting musical numbers. So it becomes she, the whole conversation of like star power versus right, right, actual right. talent. Right. That's interesting, especially because they hired a bunch of Broadway actors for the show. Right. Itself. They h- hired a bunch of Broadway actors for the show. And then it ends up being like, we can get into how many of the episodes you'd like me just to describe to you. But <laughs> it, it, the end of the first season ends with Uma Thurman drops out. Her character drops out. She get sick, and then she's like, I'm glad I got sick. I didn't want to do it. It was too much pressure. <laughs> and and then Karen steps in because she's technically the understudy. Oh. And everyone's like, but the whole thing is like, why would the person who has no Broadway credits, who's never done the show, who doesn't look like Marilyn Monroe, step in and be Marilyn? Right. And like, at that point, Ivy's character has done the show as many times as Karen has. And it's like, yeah, and she has, like, Broadway chops. So the, the show ends, because it's Catherine McPhee and it was, like, stunt casting, mm. again, it ends with her being, like, the savior at the end of the show. Like, she steps in and, like, saves the show. That There are so many fascinating layers of how they cast Smash itself, how right. they cast the show within the show. <laughs> like, they're commenting on themselves. Without and... even, like, realizing it. It yeah. is, like, the most like meta show but also like the truly like the most earnest show like you can tell that everything about it is like super earnest and like nothing is done with like a tongue in cheek there's literally a character that his thing is like 
peeking around doors and oh like putting his ear like with oh a glass to doors to like hear people. It's a plot device. That's character. like a plot device, right? <laughs> and it and he just will like he's a personal assistant, but he ends up being hired by like four different characters oh, as God. their personal assistant, and he'll just be like, "Well, I heard Tom and Julia say oh, because my he God. like peeked around a door or like picked up a phone and like put his." thumb over the button and then lifted it to like hear a conversation like it's true like (laughs) with no irony like there's no (laughs) and the best is like i I think it's in season one so that character's name is ellis and he uh he comes upon somebody that's like listening outside someone else's door they're like trying to hear a conversation and he goes are you listening outside the door that's my thing. Like oh, it, <laughs> they literally call they literally out. call it out with like <laughs> something no one says. Something, right. <laughs> so it's the show that like the first. So the first season is like, and it's just the two, right? There's just two seasons, and I think at the so at the end of the first season, it was this. It was a sh- the showrunner's woman Teresa Rebick, and she had done some theater stuff. Like I don't think she was like traditionally a a TV producer or anything, um, but she was the showrunner. And at the end of the first season, they like fired her. Whoa! And and this was like her story, her idea. Whoa! Like it was like her thing, and they they fired her because she just was like, according to the stories of the time, she just was like a nightmare to work with and the show wasn't doing what they wanted it to do and it like you know I'm sure they were so like oh it'll be Dynasty but it was just like a mess like a hodgepodge mess right and uh, so then the second season they bring on like a new showrunner I forget who the showrunner is for the second season but it's like a totally new crew and they bring on this second musical that's like in competition like running with bombshell so you're getting like new bombshell numbers and then this new musical called hit list which i will pay anyone a thousand dollars if they can describe the plot of hit list (laughs) it's like (laughs) it's like truly never accurately described like it's it's so funny because a hit list also couldn't be a more generic mm-hmm. title for something. Right. Like, <laughs> That's not how, like, broad, Broadway musicals are never titled, like, hit list. Yeah. Like, they're a bit, like, the titles are, like, a little more evocative. Or, like, they're even simpler. Right. Like, uh, yeah. It, it, even with Rent, it's like, sure. Yeah, but that's like but it the became... core of the show. Is exactly. Like this theme of like how the, the Rent is the core How are we going to pay? Show. Yeah, right. yeah. And, and But Hit List, means I don't nothing. know what that's it about. Means... <laughs> <laughs> it like means nothing. And so like the second season is this like rumination on like old school Broadway and like Bombshell. It's all of the period. So it's all like 50s and 60s like inspired music and costumes and and there's a whole thread in that season of like we have to update it to like make it modern or can we make it like what if it's not Marilyn or what if we make it like all contemporary music and then the show hit list which is like it is a rent ripoff so it's all rock it's all rock it's written by like two guys one of the guys is gay like a young gay guy dies young Dies like the night before the show opens. Are on you Broadway. shitting me? He well, that's he dies. how close they did it. To he dies. He dies 
the show hasn't moved to Broadway, but they're like in negotiations too, and it's become this like hit at this off Broadway theater. And he gets hit by a car, like walking home. What? He gets hit by a car walking home, and they use his death as like an impetus to move it to Broadway. It's so it's like it is a craven, like expletive retelling of like is Jonathan Larson right that dies yeah right mm-hmm. before Rent opened like mm-hmm. it was like the morning of the f- first preview on Broadway right, I right. think I, I think it was the first I'm pretty sure it was the first time they did it for audiences yeah uh, so yeah the fact that <laughs> that is like upsetting to me that they it's, would it's like he died the show such a clear ripoff and right and then still have still, that right. aspect of the story so then like so okay so the second season they did like previews of smack of so the the maryland musical is called bombshell uh-huh and so they do previews of the maryland musical in boston and then they're going to move it to broadway gotcha. so the whole thing is like we're doing this transfer from boston to new york that's the the bombshell storyline and then Karen, and that's kind of what happened between one and two yeah is that they had like started doing it in boston the end of one is the first preview in boston got it so that like the the episode right before the credits roll it's like the bows going gotcha. into uh, after the first preview in Boston. So season two opens. They finish the run in Boston. There's all this, like, crazy personal stuff. So, like, uh, Karen had this boyfriend who she was with for a long time, and then he proposed to her, and she delivered the iconic line, I can't, I'm in tech. He proposes, and she's in tech in Boston, oh, and she goes, I can't, no. I'm in tech. And it's and he's like, that's not an answer. And she's like, yes, it is. I'm in tech. Oh, and it, so like no. as so it's that like no. theater kid like tech is like the most. And I, I don't know if you ever did like musicals in high yeah. school, but like tech is like such the important time, right? And like the, uh, people call it like hell week, yeah, yeah, or yeah, things like that. Usually, you'd have a rehearsal, at least a rehearsal every, every night. Day. Yeah, yeah, every day. Uh, yeah, I'm used to do for like it hours, amateurly. but yeah, like, and so they're working out all the kinks and, uh, yeah, <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> so like that, it's such a theater kid joke to say like I can't, I have rehearsal. Uh, yeah, like it's th- the most like theater kid. So I'm sure yeah. that that core like theater nerd fan right. base was like, oh my and that's, god, and like I was thinking about kind of like bigger picture like why I like this show and like I was like a theater kid did tons of musical theater loved musical theater and still do but it is that thing of like oh I wish they would do a show like and there's drama and personal shit and like all this stuff that goes on it's like I wish they would do a show like about that that would be so cool it's like you hear the premise right and it's amazing right they just every choice they made is positively bonkers (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yes, I totally get that. It makes so much sense for a show like this to get made, especially on the heels of the success of Glee. Like, right, yeah. You know, it came out like while Glee was still airing, yeah. I think. Yeah, and I remember like I had a friend who was really into Glee, but I just I just couldn't. It was like too like neon pink and I watched the first kid-ish. season. Yeah, I watched the first season and it felt very 
human and interesting mm-hmm. and uh, like grounded and the stuff they did with Kurt and Michael yeah. Malley as his dad was like really good and cool. And then I tried to watch the second season and <laughs> it went off the rails so well, fast. Well, that's, that's the like, that's the Ryan Murphy. Exactly. It, which like another one of my like shows. <laughs> yeah. So like... Uh, like the shows of like, oh, this is mine. Like this is not a show I watch with my f- brothers or my family gotcha. or like any other. F- like I, it was Nip Tuck. And oh, like that- I forgot that was Ryan Murphy. Yeah, it was. That was his first thing. I think that was his I first think you're thing. Right. And it was on FX. But it was like that thing of like, ooh, plastic surgeons in Miami. <laughs> We're gonna get sex, drugs, right. like. All this, like, it's my uh, Miami, like, I don't remember a ton of shows being set there. Like, this is cool. This is different. Uh-huh. And then he, like, Ryan Murphy'd it. Yeah. And, like, there were drug dealers and, like, dream sequences. <laughs> and That was what I, uh, the second season of Glee, like, four or five episodes in, when you were talking about how hard it felt like they shoehorned in reasons yeah, yeah. for them to be singing, there's this storyline in Glee where they wanted to do an episode of all Britney Spears songs where when they go to the dentist and get under the gas it makes them hallucinate in Britney Spears videos Yes, and at one point two of them go in together to do the (laughs) Britney Spears Madonna Madonna video video. and it is like no no like never stop (laughs) why (laughs) Like two of them go into the dentist's office right. together and sit in chairs next to each other. And then both go under anesthesia. <laughs> and I mean, but that's like, that's the Ryan Murphy <laughs> of it. Like, it, it's going to be fascinating to look back because now he's doing like these amazing like prestige shows. Of, right. Like, American Horror Story. He's doing Feud. Like, he set it up that he wants to do more like seasons of Feud. And didn't he produce American Crime Story? Yes, and I was going to mention that So he's that doing too. like, all these amazing prestige television shows, but working like, with like Kathy Bates and like right. people who is crazy that they're television actors, right? But it's like if you leave him alone for long <laughs> enough, he will do some Ryan Murphy <laughs> bullshit. <laughs> and it was like on Nip Tuck. That was another show where it's just like season three. There is not like a serial killer, like a serial maimer, where he like he's he. He comes in, he goes to these, like, beautiful, at first it's beautiful young women, and he attacks them and, like, brutalizes them and then cuts their face in, like, a Joker smile. Oh, God. And he does it so it, like, severs their nerves so they can't smile anymore. And he has this, like, mask over his face, and he goes, beauty is a curse on the world. And so the plastic surgeons in the show, the two main characters, start fixing the people's faces because it's, like, very delicate, like, face surgery. So then he starts, like, terrorizing the plastic surgeons and, like, and then one of the plastic surgeons gets framed that that people think he's... The person doing it. Because he's, like, creating work for himself or something. Right, right, right. And there's all this, like, circumstantial evidence. and (sighs) But there's... So, like, season three becomes, like, a season of Dexter, like, in the middle of the show. Oh, God. And, and then it's revealed, like, they think it might be this other rival plastic surgeon who's doing it because they're like, you'd have to be a doctor to know how to do these cuts and not so, kill people but, right. but, but maim them in this way. And he, it, they're like, well, he it can't be him because the women are all, like, sexually assaulted. And he's like, and look at this. And he pulls down his pants and he doesn't have a penis. Like, he just has, like, a Ken doll, like, 
front because it was like, oh, he was in an accident when he was a kid. So he doesn't have a penis. And it's like, God. (laughs) And like, that just serves as explanation. Oh my God. (laughs) For the show. Like, that is fine that they're like, Okay, and they and he's like, it turns out like spoilers for season three of the show that came out like ten years ago, but it ends up that that plastic surgery it is him, like he is the guy going around. But that's exactly what I thought when you said that. I was like, well, he could be using something else, exactly, and like that's what it is. But yeah. it's like, but there's but of a reveal. Course that's he's like, I'm innocent, Kendall. There's, yeah, there's a reveal um, on the show that like someone doesn't have a penis, and like so therefore he can't. But it's like. Of course Ryan Murphy would, like, Good have it go Lord. to this place of this, like... That's so bonkers. Heightened, like, over-the-top, like, melodramatic. And that truly is, like, of, the of like, the nighttime soaps that I watched, like, uh, that one was, like, the most out-of-control. Absurd. Soapy, like, weirdness. What, what do you think... So... It's interesting because I feel there is a natural tendency towards melodrama and hyperbole in musicals. Yes. And like you said, earnest yeah. in, uh, intention and drama just naturally surrounding all these groups of people because they're all heightened yeah. in the first place. <laughs> so it's interesting to talk about it where other shows are concerned because they're manufacturing so much right. more in my mind yeah so do you think there is something to that element of smash where maybe you are more willing to buy into it or maybe they push the boundaries a little more i think i'm definitely like more willing to buy it because they do have some numbers to like talk about the musical numbers that are like very smart well done ways of like this is Marilyn's life. This is what this character is also going through. I was going to ask about that. Yeah. And like, there's one number and I would like recommend people go watch it on YouTube because you have to like see the way they do it in the show. But the, the buildup is that Ivy, so Ivy's in the musical. She's, she ends up cast as Marilyn. She's in the musical. Um, but they're having all these discussions of like, maybe we need to replace her with like a star. And so she also gets sick, so she starts taking prednisone, uh, which is like this, I think it's like a steroid, like it's a really strong like steroid, Mm -hmm. Um, but it just like, it can make you feel like cuckoo. Like you can have like weird nightmares, and so that also becomes like that Ivy's having like these delusions, and she's like drinking because she's like upset. She's just putting too much Putting too much on her. And it's like there's this moment where they have all the producers there and they do this number, Let's Be Bad. And it's um, a musical number in that's Marilyn Monroe in like a 20s inspired movie musical. So it's kind of some like it hot ish. Ooh, love it. Um, But it's about the the musical, the song and the musical, they keep interrupting it with her husband, with uh, she's married to Arthur Miller at the time, like with Arthur Miller. And directors being like, we can't use any of these takes. She's too drunk. We can't. So it's like they're talking about Marilyn, like in those moments, and her husband being like, honey, do you really want to be like taking so many pills before you film? Um, And it ends with this like really cool, like, and it gets like as dark as the show is willing to go, but showing like all the cameras in her face and she can't handle it. And you hear like news reporters and stuff. And it ends with her being so conked out that the dancers are op- moving her like a marionette. 
Whoa. at parts of the song because it's like and like if you know about Marilyn she definitely had moments where she like had her hand held like on set and <sighs> Marilyn Monroe is also someone I was like very into in high school and like watched all her films and she would have there's a moment in some like at hot where she opens a drawer and says like where's the where's that bottle and so she couldn't do it so they put the a note in the drawer of the line like on an <gasps> index card but then she couldn't remember which drawer it was in. So then finally they just said, fuck it. And they put it in all the drawers. Like all, she's all, she's oh at a dresser and she's like, because yeah. she just. I feel like I know what scene you're talking about. Yeah. Um, but so they have this. So it's like this scene where it's like Ivy's drunken, drugged up. They're commenting on like Marilyn being drunk and drugged up. Marilyn not being able to like fulfill her responsibilities. And then Ivy also having this moment of like I might get replaced at any moment right she's like walking through her life being like I might be replaced at any moment in the role like that could define my career or like break me into the big time and and then it ends like she does this huge number and it's amazing like it is some some of the musical numbers like on this show especially the ones performed by her are like truly bonkers and beautiful and she gets to the end of it and it's like it, they they have the artifice of like what it would look like in the real musical so they have costumes and that drops and it just shows her in the rehearsal room and then it like cuts to the director and the producers and they're all like whispering and they go okay we can move on like with no so she does this like huge giant number like and you see how it would look in the show and it's right. beautiful and like all these weird times and then it's just like okay we'll move on so they're like able right, to do sounds good. yeah so they're like able to do that and like in a way that you would you wouldn't be able to explore all of that stuff, right? Like those are it. so that's, that's so really many cool. layers, and like the collapsing of like all the narrative like layers, which it's that it's moments like that where I'm like, this could this could be a beautiful show, right? Like there's a lot there's a lot of things of like this could truly be like a beautiful show. Um, yeah, when you were talking about how many places it went in the non making the show storylines, you know, Deborah Messing's character trying right. to adopt a baby. I was like, <laughs> what does that have to do with the show they're making? Because probably nothing. Nothing. Absolutely and, nothing. And it seems like what you just described is, the you know, that's the biscuits for a show yeah. like this. Why not keep <laughs> right. exploring those kinds of parallels? Let's have it all. Like, there's another one at the beginning of season two. So, like... Ivy at this point has been fired and um, they're doing and the musical is like they can't get any financing. They've done the preview, but they just can't move it to Broadway. So they kind of bust into this like fundraiser and just sort of steal the stage and are going to put up a number. But uh, Karen can't make it. So they're like, what do we do? So they call Ivy to step in. So the last many minute. like convenient. There's so many like Ugh. and it's like and you can tell like which songs are written for. Uh, Megan Hilty's voice and which are written for Catherine McPhee's voice. Mm-hmm. Um, but the song that she sings, so it's like, she's like, I'm stepping in to do this musical that they to do a number at a benefit that they're not even supposed to be performing at for a show that I've been fired from. <laughs> so like that's her emotional stakes, like coming yeah. into it. And then the song is... They just keep moving the line is like the refrain. Mm. No matter how hard I try, no matter what I do, mm. I would scheme. And it's Marilyn saying I would scheme and, and scrimp and, and make my way to do what they wanted. And then they move the line again. Mm-hmm. And it's like 
oh, that again, like yeah. that's what I got this, chills at you. That's what this that. show should be. Like yeah. it should be like using the musical numbers to like double down on right. the emotional stakes. Yeah, because that's like, what's best about musicals right. is you get to explore the emotional sense of something on a different plane. Yeah, and you look at a show like so I think like you know the thing that's on TV now that's like musicals on TV is like uh Crazy Ex-Girlfriend mm-hmm. and that show the whole thing is like we are exploring mental illness which could not be a more personal internal topic through song. I and through, I'm so glad you brought up Crazy yeah. Ex-Girlfriend cuz I definitely feel like it belongs in this conversation. Yeah, of like musical using like musical tropes and genre and all these like markers and that is like the show that is like constantly winking yes. at what it's doing of like oh we are going to employ and subvert all of these tropes all of these things and make this an examination like of these characters yeah. and the songs like function in that way of like doubling down or revealing which is like when you do any like basic theater or sketch like uh-huh. any music improv yeah, that's like, what I was gonna say musical improv it's the crux of musical improv right it's like the song is the most heightened place we can go right like they I've been told like the reason they sing in musicals is like they reach an emotional point where words are no longer enough exactly yes and then so like Crazy Ex-Girlfriend like does that so well yeah and it's like oh if we c- it's that thing of like I constantly look at Smash and it's like if we had Someone who like underst the you know maybe like understood a that. better understanding a- or at least a better adherence yes. to that being why music happens yeah or like and just to be like to strip it down mm-hmm. like you look at most musicals are like there's like two things happening mm-hmm. max at any time but when you have like a nighttime soap or a, a drama. Everybody has to have something. Everybody has to have a storyline. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you have to have A, B, C. Right. And on this show, it's like A, A plot, B plot, C plot, D, E. Oof. Like, it really, like, <laughs> there's so, so many. Like Game of Thrones in right. a musical. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, just strip it down and, like, get to those moments where it's like, oh, we're just, like, telling a woman be frustrated that, like, for all of her ambitions and all of her talent, like it is still not enough. Yeah. And being asked to like bail some other people out after they have told her she's not good enough. Right. Like, and caused her all this emotional and, you know, health turmoil. Right. It's like, oh, that that's how a show works. Right. That's what a musical is. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's a couple numbers, especially in the first season of Crazy Ex-Girlfriend that are just... They add so much to her character. Like, yeah. uh, the ones that come to mind are like, I have friends. Oh, and yeah. I'm a good person. Because yeah. <laughs> it's just these things that she tells herself right. that obviously have no bearing in her real life. Right. <laughs> and, 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 you know, and it's like, and then, so the second season, they bring in Hit List. Again, I <laughs> will not stop saying, I will pay anyone $1,000 to describe can, the plot of Hit List. I want to, like, so I have. Like the Wikipedia of Smash pulled up, yeah. and I want to just like read what they say the plot of Hit List is. <laughs> okay, let's see. Okay, this is cast, crew, plot. Okay. Oh, they like break it down. 
Okay, so it's the diva comes to Amanda's concert. Just another fan in the crowd. She moves through the throng, singing a haunting song a cappella. When she reaches the front, she fires. She points her gun and shoots. <gasps> Who does she hit? We flash back to the beginning of the story, where we meet Jesse, a struggling songwriter and recovering addict, in Greenpoint with a dead-end life and no hope of getting out. He works as a bartender. Amanda is a poor little rich girl from the Upper East Side who dreams of becoming a pop star, but doesn't have enough of a defined look or style in herself and her songs. They both know. They both dream that they can change their lives, but no, they truly can't. Um, so then Amanda gets a meeting with her. So that's like the first <sighs> paragraph. Boy. That's just the first paragraph of like the first act of this musical. So this then, insane thing happens. Here's these other two people. <laughs> these other so then Amanda uh, gets a meeting with a record deal, and then they don't like her song. And then it goes rejected for the last time. She contemplates suicide in the East River. Until Jesse rescues her. Jesse plays her one of his songs on a bridge, and they connect. He dreams that maybe together they can get out. Amanda watches the diva perform on the VMAs, and here's a little bit of her backstory and how she became the diva. Oh, so then boy. it goes on and on. So then there's so then Amanda steals Jesse's music oh. and then leaves and becomes a pop star named Nina. And then he hears Nina's songs on the radio, and he's like, I know that's Amanda. What? So then he confronts her, and he's like, okay, I'll keep writing songs for you, but you have to hide it. Um, and then Nina like goes and has another meeting with the pops with like a record label. So then it goes, the diva, so this is act two. So that's just like <laughs> act one. <laughs> The diva returns to her hometown as she who she used to be. Oh, the diva ends up like disgraced because she can't compete. Oh, with, Nina like, just is better than her. Yeah. Or, so oh, the diva returns God. to her hometown because that's how pop music works. It's that, like once a new one comes along, <laughs> you return home in disgrace. <laughs> and it's like, and again, it's like Amanda Nina is played by Karen Cartwright or by Catherine McPhee. Right. It, it's, she's played by Karen Cartwright being played by Catherine McPhee. Right. Again, all the layers again collapse and they're just one person, oh, one entity. God. So then. Oh, yeah. So she has so it's like four again, different like, things. So too, again, it's like it's a Catherine McPhee as Karen, as Amanda, as, as Nina. Nina. <laughs> <laughs> and then again, it's like you have a failed American Idol person playing someone who wants to be a pop star that then becomes a pop star that is then so powerful she like decimates other already popular pop stars and like in the in the show they keep saying like oh the diva is lady gaga she's britney it's also funny because they totally like date themselves because they're like She's the biggest star in the world. She's Lady Gaga. She's Lana Del Rey. She's oh, <laughs> Lana Del Rey. <laughs> like to remember truly, when <laughs> to truly ground us in a place and time. It is Lana that Del Rey. Is so she's iconic. She's, she is <laughs> Lana Del Rey. <laughs> she is an enduring figure of pop stardom, <laughs> like a Lana Del Rey, <laughs> and like all the costumes for the diva are like Lady Gaga ripoffs. <laughs> So then, okay, so then... And they, calling her the diva, I feel like, is the laziest thing in the world. Right. It's, it's such a avatar calling the thing they need unobtainium. Right. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't know, she's a huge pop star. We'll call her Popstaria, like, uh, whatever. Not quite. Not quite. <laughs> Even that is, like, just enough of a twist. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
So then... Oh, act two. Excuse me. This is act two. So the diva goes home in disgrace. Nobody knows who she is. So then Jesse, the songwriter, is getting clean. And he Mm. sees Nina, like, trying to do her old stuff. But she's, like, failing miserably because, like, why? And so then she eventually (laughs) comes back to Jesse. And she's like, I'll change. So then they, like... They strip off her Nina-ness, and she becomes, like, Amanda again. Mm. And then she, like, tries to restart her music career, like, as a stripped-down real version of herself. So it would be, like, if, at this point, it's, like, if Lady Gaga was, like, no, I'm going to be Stephanie Dramata. Right. I'm going to go back to being my actual self. Right. So then she's, like, put Amanda's putting on this. Which no one does. Which no one does. (laughs) That's not a thing that happens. That's not a thing that happened. Yeah. And so then Amanda. The closest we've gotten to that is The Rock. And even then. He's still. He's still The Rock. He's still in quotes (laughs) in the middle of his name. So then Amanda's having her concert like as herself. And when the diva comes in and shoots someone at the beginning, she's shooting and killing Amanda for like stealing her shine. Oh, holy shit. And then Amanda dies in Jesse's arms at the concert. Mimi. And, <laughs> right, and then the diva, this sentence is preposterous. <laughs> of all the things I have told you so far, this, this one is truly preposterous. Due to the notoriety over her violent act, the diva is on top again. So we're living the show. What? The show exists in a world in which a a singer can kill another singer during her concert, and that propels her to the first, the singer that killed the other one, returns to their height and glory. Oh, my God. So then... It's like Gladiator. (laughs) Yeah. And then they say, like, the the theme is like the next Amanda is there is like gonna be there. Like there's always gonna be like another girl trying to like They see someone else coming through the crowd or right, right. I'm gonna tell you. Fuck. So that's hit list. Yeah. That is the plot that the next rent. It is said over and over in the show. It is like young people, it's young themes, it's like current hit music and it it is the next rent like it is the next rent it is like it is written by these two guys they like work in a bar and they just write they're like writing it like for fun right and so we're back in the like world of smash so these two guys are writing the musical in a bar for fun and karen overhears them (gasps) and she's like that would be a good musical and sends it to the director of Bombshell. bombshell and there's a lot there's like a whole thing with him but he ends up getting fired from everyone is fired and rehired from every show at least four times and so i i call that i still will refer to that kind of thing as sue sylvester's trying to shut down the glee club <laughs> because that just became the thing that every episode was about right. or like every other episode it was like they just ran out of things it's, to it's, create conflict it's that thing it's like in a sitcom like you can do that right because at the end of the sitcom you're going to return to normal right and the next day is going to open with normal it's going to be like a wacky event we have to solve right but on like a nighttime drama an hour-long show just can't work like that. yeah you can't keep resetting to normal and like facing the same obstacle because you're expecting these people to like 
have some modicum of like growth and change. Right. It, yeah, that's part of the deal in a drama is that yeah. you follow the characters through it. Right. You know, unless it's like SVU or something. Right. It's, it's not, not a, a procedural. procedural. Right. Yeah. So I will also say about Hit List, of those things that I just read, maybe like 30% of that is ever is explained. actually communicated. Is that was going to be my question. Or shown on screen. There's stuff in like the diva being like, Returning to her hometown in disgrace. You never see that. Mm. You never see that. So it's this musical that these two guys are like in a bar writing. And it's truly like that Back to the Future. Like, hey, it's me, your cousin, Marvin Barry. You got to hear this. And like Karen like (laughs) holds up the phone. Karen oh, like the best analogy. Karen holds up the phone and is like, "Derek, you've got to hear this. This might be our next project." And so and makes them sing the songs that they're well, writing. He's not or does even, he have like a demo tape? He's or not even. The f- he's like the bar. He works in this bar and it's closed, and he's just like noodling around on the piano, and then he just starts playing his music. So he doesn't even know. So then the season becomes Karen convinced This guy's name is Jimmy. Who write Jimmy? And oh, what's the other? One? Kyle. Jimmy and Kyle are the two guys that write the musical. And uh, it's Karen convincing, Karen and Kyle convincing Jimmy to let Derek make his musical. Because his he's like, you're going to take the soul out of it. You're going to make it like a corporate piece of bullshit. Mm-hmm. So it's like, it becomes this like weird like hipster authenticity, like mm. meditation. And that's interesting, especially as a contrast to this other show that's trying to also kind of r- remain in it, what it perceives as traditionalism and yeah, authenticity. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and uh, so like there's all kinds of weird. So like there's railing weird... against Shrek coming to Broadway much, <laughs> <laughs> right? And it's like it's such a specific time on Broadway right. that everything started. That was really when stuff started shoving into right, just making musicals out of movies. Right, right, right. Which is like it's kind of and they like. Oh my God, this is also like a great trivia piece. Mm-hmm. Lin Manuel Miranda appears in Smash. No way. As himself. No way. And it's in the second season. So he, the, he, the, he did it before difficult people could. <laughs> so, like, the, and if they have all these like great, like, Liza Minnelli shows up oh, in an yeah. episode. I'm sure they've, and did they, they shoot it they in, New York? in New York? Yeah. And they just got, t- t- like, Kathy Lee is on an episode. There's all these Karen people. was on Conan one yeah. night. <laughs> well, that's like, Kathy Lee's on it because they go on like right. Good Morning America. I knew that it had to be something they did. Yeah, right. And Al uh, Roker. <laughs> I'm trying to. There's there's a bunch of also like music like deep cut musical theater people that I didn't immediately right. recognize. Um, like a Patty Lapone is probably it somebody. Yeah, like people that. like that. And there's because. Oh, the second season, there's a ton of celebrity cameos. Jennifer Hudson is like a big character in like the first like four episodes. And her mother's played by Cheryl Lee Ralph. So it's like you have Cheryl Lee Ralph like just popping in. Playing the mother of uh, a a character that just has an arc. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) For like three episodes. Wow. And so Lin-Manuel Miranda's in it. And they're – so the first half of the second season is writing – Hit List, Transferring, Bombshell, and then both of those shows opening at the same time. Wow. And there's like drama because Karen is helping them get Hit List made and she's going to appear, they're going to do it at a fringe festival. And so Karen is going to be the star in this musical. She's also in Bombshell. And, the, and part of it is like you can't appear in any other show. 
Like, which would make sense. Yeah, they probably would have some kind of contract for that. If yeah. you're in a fucking Broadway show and their whole marketing campaign is like introducing Karen Cartwright's or Broadway debut, you can't go be in a Fringe Festival. Right. You don't have time to go be in a Fringe yeah, Festival. Yeah, no. It is absurd. No. It is like truly absurd. Unrealistic. To, I mean, we just talked about how they made this huge joke of she couldn't get engaged. Because of tech. Because of tech. And, but she's going to be in a Broadway musical and a Fringe Festival like simultaneously. No. So Karen is like, I quit. I want to do Hit List. Like, it's <gasps> the thing I want to do. Whoa. So they bring Ivy. So they bring Ivy back in to bombshell again <laughs> again like the fifth time man Sue so like, it's this like that that rivalry of like karen and ivy they totally were able to just like mine and like go back, back and like forth. if we don't know what to do like let's go back to it so now it's like a literal their shows are opening at the same time on broadway so like the second half of the first season is the push toward the tonys with the shows That's opening right and so it's like so then it's like you get this interesting look of like how the Tony nominations work. And they have things where they like, they find out that someone is like on the Tony committee and, but Tom, the writer of Bombshell is gay and he hits on him, like not knowing who he is. So then it becomes, they have like a wacky like hijinks where Tom like tries to send him a bottle of wine and then they realize he's on the Tony committee. So he has to like go get the bottle of wine. Oh, because it would look like. It's a gift. Right. Um, and they have like a meet cute where they're both. It's like they all they go see every show that's opening, and he keeps running into this guy, and he keeps like looking at his phone to see if they've done the Tony nominations. And the guy's like, "Turn your phone off." And Tom like thinks he's flirting. It's this whole thing. Oh boy! And uh, so they're at a thing, wh- and Lin Manuel Miranda's there, and he's like, "Hey, I heard you know Lin Manuel like gives him shit about Bombshell because it's like in the news it's having all these problems." And he's like, oh, I guess not everything can be legally blonde in the musical. Or like bring it. Oh, bring it on the musical. Bring it on. Because Lin-Manuel Miranda wrote Bring It On the Musical. <gasps> I did not I think know he, that. He was like I, He was a contributor? Yeah. Oh my gosh. And I so did not like, know that. Musical. Again, like musical digs. That's like a deep cut. Yeah. Um, but a, And the nerd, theater right. nerd audience is eating it eating up. Eating it up. And, yeah. they, and like they have a whole like. They have a little like back and forth, and then like the middle run is like, oh yeah, bye. And like, oh my god, and then yeah, that he makes a a dig that like, because I think the whole thing it's like they're wondering if so when the director of Bombshell quits, Derek Tom steps in as the director, the writer, uh, the he's the writer, right? The director quits, and then Tom is like, well, I'll direct it, right? So now he's writer director, which is always which, you want less people's hands. Yeah. On it. <laughs> Super common in Broadway. <laughs> Writer, director, like, that never happens. Uh-huh. Like, that, I've, that's so rare that that happens like that. Uh-huh. And, um, but it's a thing where they're like, is he going to get nominated for best director or best writer? Like, what oh, category? So Lin-Manuel's woof. dig is like, oh, I saw you got, like, best book or best score, but not best director. Like, something like that. Gotcha. Um, and spe- there's another Hamilton connect because Leslie Odom Jr., the guy that originated Aaron Burr, is in the show, and he ends up being like a series regular. He's Ivy's best friend, and he plays this gay guy. And his whole thing is he's like gay and does musicals, but he's not like gay. Super. He's like he's into sports, and like right. he has like a romance with the writer of the musical, 
and of Bombshell, and he like is in the musical, and then he quits to go do like a tour of Book of Mormon, and he comes back, and the writer's like, "Oh, I'll put you back in the show. I'll write a part for you because <laughs> like, and so it's like they have this whole drama where he's like, "You can't write a, you can't just write a part for someone." He's and right. Then, <laughs> he's, you're right. And then like. Leslie Adam Jr. character comes in. He's like, I just quit Book of Mormon. Like, I'm ready to start. I'm back. I'm back. And they have to be like, we can't write you in. So it's like his character. It's another character that just gets like beat up. Yeah. Over the series. Like, and then he like. Like back and forth. They, it seems like they could never deal with changing the status quo too drastically. Yeah. And they have like, his character is so funny because he goes and auditions for hit list but the guy the jimmy he's the writer and star mm. doesn't want and un- he's like he's like i don't want an understudy oh. and they're like that's impossible and like not a thing that exists right so it's like a thing where like S- sam leslie Adam jr character keeps like auditioning for something and then someone busts in and is like you can't be here like oh. over and over god and he ends up being like a bit part like in hit list, but it's again like that people just like bounce in and out of every of all everyone's been in every show. Right. Like, right. There's yeah. two shows that exist. And everyone in the cast has been in both has at some been point. In both of them. <laughs> and there's the, like there's other so like there's other shows that exist that are like every, they'll make a reference like, oh Sutton Foster's in like whatever. Uh-huh. Or like someone Anika Nani Rose is in you know, other made up shows, other, or other they real, like, like actual real Broadway shows, actual shows that like w- could be a revival of something. Yeah, like, sure. She's in Pippin, or she's in like Imitation of Life, or whatever. Uh huh. And um, but then they have other like made up shows that just appear for like that's so, so Tom funny. and Julia. They're like a writing team that's been around for like they've you know like they have like a fifteen year career, uh-huh. so they have tons of musicals that they've written like. Uh-huh. They're like the Rodgers and Hammerstein like of our current day, <laughs> and they're all like poppy fun like uh-huh. musical. There's the one, the main one. It's called Heaven on Earth, and it's like someone dies and gets sent to heaven, and he like tries to come back to Earth. So there's like angels and God and big like it's it's a very like this is your life kind uh-huh. of ripoff. And then there's one where they do it's not Julia and Tom, but it's a musical version of Dangerous Liaisons, and. Uh, Sean Hayes plays his name is like Bobby some, and he's like a comedic actor that's like I'm gonna do a musical right and they're like oh no Dangerous Liaisons is a drama like it is a uh. tragedy <laughs> and he's like the main character and he makes them make it a comedy oh my and god so, like, there's a, like a two episode arc of like because Ivy ends up in that musical, when and she I gets, was gonna say, how did they even tie this into the Ivy rest ends of up the in that as she gets fired show. from Bombshell, uh, and she's like, well, I have to do something, so she goes and does this other musical, and then she gets like nominated for that, for that, for a Tony and something else, and like bomb, she ends up back in Bombshell when it finally opens on Broadway, <sighs> and gets nominated for a Tony for Liaisons and Bombshell, splits her own vote. She's yeah, like. But it is, like, it is a true, like, the second season is, the first season it's like, this is just kind of a mess, and there's a few little, like, 
this is kind of weird and you know they could have like but dropped it, some of these. they're still figuring themselves out right, it's only it's hard to make a first season that's right. really and, top to bottom great and yeah. there's like those great moments of like let's be bad right and there's a few other musical numbers that are really good um that's kind of the beauty of a musical is I, I found this with watching Crazy Ex-Girlfriend is that even if an episode wasn't that great, there mm-hmm. might be a musical number or two in it that were like, man, that made it all worth it. Yeah. And then the second season, it just went like fucking bonkers. Well, it's just like they like, already had too many balls they in the air and they just much, added more. And they added more characters and like more plots and a whole nother musical. And um, then this like weird, like I said, that weird like rent allegory of like the guy dying right god and it just became like and then there's they, no way there's enough time spent no, on any of that for it no. to be emotionally I told relevant you, i didn't know the plot of the second <laughs> musical that would be like if i was watching game of thrones and i'm like i don't know who khaleesi is like i don't know what she does what's her deal <laughs> and so then they like and then also in the middle of, I believe, as they were working on the second season, they found out they weren't getting a third season because the ending is mm. like they have a musical number. They that's actually like, get to make it a little. They try, but closely. the end of the mu- the end, the last musical number is like goodbye. It's mm. like a goodbye song, mm-hmm. and it's just like, and uh, yeah, like there's so many nighttime soaps. Like the other one I keep thinking of is like that kind of falls into this trap is empire i was thinking that's where you're gonna go i love empire i recap it the acting is really good the first couple seasons like the music was really good but it's that same thing where they're like okay now there's like an fbi investigation and like this season like a baby's gone missing and they can't find this baby yeah and i think i heard them on the read talking about how they couldn't keep up with empire anymore yeah like everything they were doing it's too much and it's a show where it's like the music on that is like the total opposite where it like does not serve. It very, very, very rarely like serves the plot. Like maybe one in five. It just happens that they're producing music within the show. Yeah. And yeah. it's like the the drama around the production of the music can be like storyline and drive things forward. And it's actually that show is better when it just focuses on the music. Like mm-hmm. I would always be like when I watch Mad Men, I was like, I just want an episode like about an ad. Like yeah. j- those ones are always like yeah. so fun. Like that's fascinating a really, and fun. That's a really, really good analogy. Yeah. yeah. And it, with Empire, it's like the second they leave the record label, it's like, what's happening? Yeah. Yeah. It's like you want Silicon Valley to be making the new app. Yeah. You know, like, you want to see that part. Right. Like you've delivered this is going to be what you do. Right. And now you're like going away from this. But like, yeah, very rarely are the songs on Empire like they will have like the the, the hintest of hints mm-hmm. of like, and right now the like the main characters are writing albums like about their lives or like about each other Mm -hmm. but like on the whole the music is just like oh here's my new song and like and like the second season of Smash it kind of like tries to like split the difference between like a musical nighttime soap where the songs have nothing to do with Mm. the show and they're just like elaborate cool set pieces versus like a musical where like the song like 
Crazy Ex-Girlfriend or like even like parts of the first season of Smash of like the music in this. The emotion is what drives The them. emotion is what's driving this. Because like the songs from Hit List, there's like one that, there's like two that have anything that feel to do in line with, with the like show. what is going on in the characters' lives like emotionally. That, yeah, that's such a bummer. Like it, it honestly doesn't make sense to me that there's, I, well... I know a lot of it is production, yeah, and it just is so much harder to do. But it seems like there should be more music in television. It it's such a great and easy tool, yeah. To not like that it's easy to do or create, but it is right. like it is a tool that will get you so much emotion and character, yeah. And also, like it's impressive, like yes, when, when you can do it because on. Smash, they film it like they are like true Broadway numbers. Oh, I think I remember reading about that. Yeah. When they were producing the show. And they do a lot of like That's really impressive. There's a lot of like steady cam work and like they when they do the also part of the problem with like the hit list musical, this is like the most petty, but like mm-hmm. all of the costumes are like literally beige. <laughs> and like Catherine McPhee at one point like Catherine McPhee's character is supposed to be like performing at the and they keep me like, it's the VMAs. Like no one gives a shit. Uh. But she's like literally performing at the VMAs and she is wearing like a beige gown that is like on her beige skin in like beige <laughs> shoes and like no jewelry. <laughs> and I'm like, what pop star? Would and like do the, this. the diva has like, she's wearing like all black. And then there's also like, again, like another thing where like the girl who originally plays the diva like is one of their friends and then she gets replaced by this other woman because you find out she blackmailed the director because he sexually harassed her jesus christ so it's like this other woman coming in as the diva and uh, and originates it on broadway and the other girl is doing it downtown uh and they have an excuse of like oh we need someone who can like do it on a broadway stage like Mm. who can fill that space and and again, like the person they had before, like had no was in like ensembles of stuff, but never in a lead. So like that's all. There's like this huge like sexual harassment. Uh, this worked when we did it last time. Yeah, like there's a lot of like sexual harassment in the director of plays, like sleeping with people and then like giving people parts because they slept together, which again is like okay, this is like a shorthand nighttime soap. Like yeah, you can and just it, it's probably ignorant to ignore that anything like that happens yeah. but at the same time are you handling it in the like best a, way it just becomes like a plot device right. why someone leaves a show and why someone comes in right and so anyway so like the diva is she has like this red hair and this black dress with like it's very strappy and like all these layers and and it's like okay that's at least a little closer to like what how this a pop would star like. would look uh-huh. but whenever they show like Catherine McPhee's character in this musical, like Catherine as Karen as Amanda as ne- as Amanda as Nina, she's wearing like beige or white with like no jewelry, no fun, like just with like brown hair that's like lightly curled, like this just the most boring basic. beige basic bullshit. Uh. And it's like, why would you not? You have the opportunity to do like create a pop star, right? And you went with nothing? You went with beige? 
There's no, unless it's like, I want to look nude. Yeah. And that's not what yeah. they're doing. And, and that's what I'm thinking is like the one time that all the pop stars did that look. You know, you had the Britney Spears like Body jumpsuit. Suit with like glitter. And she looked nude as fuck. Right. And that was like what it was supposed that to look like. That is not what is happening. Oh, it is like boy. a nude ball gown. Which never happens. <laughs> Again, like, this is not, but it's, but the thing with Hitless is it's supposed to be this like, meditation on authenticity and identity and it's written by these like the whole thing is it's like it's Brooklyn like it's downtown and then it moves to Broadway and it's like these like hipster guys like scrappy guys that's that spirit of like rent looks very different and the like the staging and stuff is very different than like a big shiny like musical uh, or where people are in like ball gowns and shit Mm -hmm. um but it's this like, but the the topic that they are doing is like larger than life. Yeah, pop it, stars. Mm-hmm. So it's like, why are you doing that? Why is it a, like a beige rumination on like authenticity yeah. and like realness if your subject is then like huge pop stars? Right. Like, like, That's totally in the antithesis of what Rent exists as. Mm-hmm. Rent is about authenticity. Uh, over popularity yeah it's about and it is like and it is normal people trying to be artists right and like that realization of like these people can't do it like something is in their way that they can't do it and it's like poverty or illness or right. like their own insecurities or whatever yeah. like is in the way of them like breaking through mm-hmm. you know like that's the whole, the whole thing of rent is like we are artists and we're broke we mm-hmm. can't do anything but like if we had the, these opportunities like we could change the world mm-hmm. and this it's like <laughs> you are like to be i don't i can't even like distill there the doesn't seem yeah the there show. doesn't seem like one because you would have to be making all these leaps in like i guess if you remain true to yourself you still may not be able to maintain popularity yeah but it's like if you so it's like uh, amanda becomes nina who becomes this big pop star and then she gets shot and killed yeah when she is trying to be her most authentic self like when she is doing this concert as amanda authenticity is dead you have like lady gaga coming in and like shooting her in the neck and then she like dies and then Lady Gaga becomes And then Lady Gaga is like famous again. It would be like who was the one with the the kneecap? Oh, the kneecap Kerrigan? Kerrigan. Yeah. It would be as if uh, uh, Antonia Har- who yeah. who called in the hit? Harding? Harding on Kerrigan, I yes. believe. It would be as if Tanya Harding then became a gold medalist. Right. And like was ex- And instead she was and like, ex- like publicly shamed yeah, and like her career accepted was over. by <laughs> accepted by the ice skating community as like a, you did it. <laughs> and like and that was why. Like the kneecapping was why. <laughs> right. That's the perfect analogy. That's like the That's the, like the only time right. something like that has happened. Has ever happened. Yeah. And they she didn't even kill her. She yeah. just like broke her knee. Right. And like but it would work. As if she <laughs> you took her out. <laughs> you did we it. We love you now. <laughs> we love you more than ever. And it's even not even a one to one analogy because no. at least in ice skating there's the element of competitiveness where there can only be Right. One you are winning and lo- you are literally <laughs> winning and losing. Yeah. Like Selena Gomez, Katy Perry and like 
whoever at like uh, Haley Seinfeld, like all exist. Right. Like, <laughs> Lady Gaga, <laughs> Katy Perry, like they have like rivalries, mm-hmm. but they all exist and like they don't care. Like Lady Gaga does not care that like Katy Perry or Taylor Swift like exist. Right. Like and pe- the people have beef and like I guess Katy Perry and like Taylor Swift like have beef, but like. They're not like trying to like shoot each other. No, it would be. It would it's be. It's not like if Taylor Swift didn't exist, Katy Perry would be more popular. <laughs> it it's literally like if like Haley Seinfeld is like a good because she like kind of is like on the rise or whatever, working her way in, working yeah. her way in. But it would be as if like Taylor Swift shot Haley Seinfeld right at a concert, and then Taylor Swift was made ever the more popular. That's absurd. For, for existing. <laughs> but again, like most of this is never shown. It is never right. expressed through song. Right. And the other, this is like the the final thing of like why Hit List is so terrible. And we can talk about other things. But like, <laughs> it is, so when they first read Hit List, the songs are amazing. The book is terrible. Mm. And like one guy wrote the songs, one guy wrote the book. Gotcha. And they're like, the book is terrible. It's awful. Well, we'll just make it sung through. What? Rent was sung through. We'll just make it sung through. Oh. So they just take out the book and it's a sung through no. musical. No wonder you don't get any of the You get no plot. plot. And they have moments where they will have people Fuck. try to explain it as they're like pitching it to a theater or like talking about it in an interview. But the plot the plot is gone. Like the book is gone. It's bizarre. And it's also that they're like, well, we'll just make it sung through. Like You can't have something that plotty. <laughs> and oh the, but it's that, that thing of like, well, we'll just cut and paste out the the dialogue, and it'll still totally work <laughs> as a full musical. It'll still be in two hours with an intermission. And that's what I was gonna say. We'll cut out an hour of dialogue, <laughs> same length, no new songs. Right. It's like you listen to like a Broadway soundtrack, and they're like sometimes they're like forty minutes. Yeah. It's like we'll have forty minutes of material. Uh-huh. We'll somehow stretch that to two hours, <laughs> and then there's and it's not like it's not like Hamilton or Rent. Um, those are kind of the only or like even like Joseph and the Technicolor Dreamcoat, where they have like transition songs. Yeah, where it's like this is just me setting up what the next song we're gonna see. Yeah, is. like in Joseph, they do that mm-hmm. a lot. That's like, and Rent. Oh yeah, because they have the narrator and and and, and Rent, Rent has all the, the dialogue phone calls is, and stuff. And the dialogue is all sung. Right, like, there is right. dialogue, but it is all sung. Mm-hmm. In this, they still have dialogue. They're still like they show a scene and there's like no, but it's all sung through. It's all sung through. <laughs> There's still dialogue. Ugh. It is like, but it is a show that I like. It is like a like a sweatshirt from like an old boyfriend that it's right. just like it fits just and it's cozy and I can just at any time of the day I can just put it on and Curl watch up. any part of it and it's like I have one other friend I will my friend Marion Johnson I will call her out but she is like my other like Smash super fan mm-hmm. and she and I like, will have conversations about it being like I'm watching it and we got to talk about this Karen <laughs> moment and my boyfriend has found out now that I like the show and he like refuses to, to be in. in the room and I recap a lot of terrible television right I'm like watching a lot and not that there's some of it that is like it is just trashy reality. Like right, I was is, gonna say reality versus versus like scripted. Yeah, yeah, I mostly I recap Empire, and he's almost at a point where he's like, I kind of can't watch this. Yeah. But um, when I like do like I do like Real Housewives of Atlanta and The Bachelorette, and 
he will be like, I have to leave the room. <laughs> like, I love, I want to spend time with you. I love you. But I have, like, and yeah. he will go sit in the other, like, yeah. I have, it's like a living room and a bed. Like, I don't have a lot of room. He'll just go sit in the other room and, like, be on his phone for, like, an hour and a half while yeah. I, like, do watch my Real Housewives. There, and I feel like there's only so much of that you can take if you're not mm-hmm. into, if you don't buy into it. And, like, some of those reality shows, like, Real Housewives of Atlanta, there's, like, close to a decade of, like, backstory. Yeah. Like, all these people now. Right, yeah. So you get so much more out of watching right. it. Because you know all of the right. relationships. And, like, Smash, in a weird way, is a show where it's, because so much goes on, mm-hmm. you can't just watch, like, one episode. You can't, like, because you'll have to be like, okay, well, this is this person, and they sexually harassed this other person, and they had to quit. But then they were rehired because they, like... <laughs> And that's hard to get people to buy in on, right? If they didn't, if they weren't in from the ground right. Floor. And that's like I had a friend. Like Glee is a funny thing because I never really watched it, but I had a friend tried to show me, mm-hmm. and the way she tried to show it to me was to only show me the songs. Oh yeah. And then I was like, I have no context for who these people are, right. or like what they're doing. Or so like, they just cover songs, yeah, just like, acceptably. <laughs> I just was like, oh, so they just sing like "Don't Stop Believing," right? Pass, yeah, like, right. <laughs> like as a black woman. Pass. Like. No thanks. Uh, but then you know, if they had shown you like uh, Mercedes has this number in the first season, that's just I'll bust your windows out your car, and yeah. it's amazing. Right. <laughs> like, but it was like, especially because you know she's like pissed off, and it right. is like a response to something happening in the show. But it yeah. was just like, okay, there's this person. Here's like here's six seconds of them, and here's this person. Here's uh-huh. a little bit of them singing, and then she showed me "Don't Stop Believing," and I was like, I don't know what you're showing no. me. <laughs> no, I don't know what this is, and that I think. That one came out when I was studying abroad, and mm. we had nothing but time. Like, yeah. I, I, I watched like three seasons of Mad Men. Yeah, like, in like two and a half weeks. Yeah, because we just would have like an hour of class a day, thirty minutes of homework, and then just like nothing. Mm-hmm. And I, so I could have got like I needed more shows. <laughs> uh-huh. Like I could have started a show, and it just wasn't. And I just was like, I don't know what your show like. This you has did, no context. You did the right thing. Uh, like I said, I feel like the first season is the only one that's really gives any like care or attention to plot or right. Relationships. And, then and then he just like he Ryan Murphy all over yeah. it. Uh, do you feel like there's anything that you would be remiss to not talk about where Smash is concerned? If uh, there's, a I mean, favorite character you haven't like, touched on, or I mean. I could like if you if someone let me I could just like recite Smash as if it was like an anecdote <laughs> from my own life. Just like just top to episode bottom. one to lights season, up season Let's one. See. Okay, there's Karen Cartwright. She's singing. <laughs> First images. Um, I mean, there's so many like, it, like all these like little random subplots. So like, I don't know Angelica Houston. Is on the show. Right. She is like a main character. She's like, she plays the producer. That's right. Yeah. Of the show. She is like a full cast member. She's a full cast member. Yeah. She is, she was like part of a, a, a team where it was like her and her husband, they were producing shows. And her backstory is there, they get divorced. They they finalize their divorce in the first episode. And so now Bombshell is the first thing she's doing on her own. Mm. And her husband ends up becoming a bigger character in the second season because as they're trying to move to Broadway, she needs all this money, but he won't pay his alimony. And, Dang. and he has like 
See, it's uh, so funny. This is like a whole nother thing that we literally never talked never about. Never talked about. Because there's too much. There's so many. There, I I have not even told, like, okay, so <laughs> he has, like, all this art that he won't get, like, that he gave her as a gift, but he's technically saying he owns, so she can't sell it. Oh, so God. there's, like, all that stuff. And then she starts dating this guy. Oh, is that? I think that's in the in the first season and into the second season. She's like dating this guy. Oh, it's the second season because she moves to like the Lower East Side <laughs> and like starts going to this like dive bar <laughs> and starts dating the bartender. And he apparently like is Angelica like, Houston. Angelica Houston dating a bartender at a dive bar, and he looks my like, god, he that looks is preposterous. Like, he looks like like fifty year old. Joe Manganiello. Like, oh, wow. If you, like, make okay. him, like, a... And apparently, I, like, saw something about... Like, it was on another podcast they were talking about Smash of, like... It was... A sh- another one was, like, why do you like this show? And mm-hmm. apparently, he, like... I think he, he used to be, like, a soap actor. Like, he oh. just was a straight-up soap actor. And he, like, looks like a hockey... He looks like a hockey player. And... So she has, like, this romance with him, but then it's revealed that, like, he's working with, he, like, works with the mob. So he, like, uses all his, like, mob connections to, like, get her musical produced. And then it, like, and then it gets seized because it's, like, they find out that some of the money came from the mob. Oh, my God. So, like, that's one story. (laughs) So then there's another story. In the first season, so Karen is dating this guy, Dev. And he's this like beautiful Indian actor, and he's been another. He's like been in other stuff since then. Um, I forget his name, but he's this like like British Indian guy, mm-hmm. and he's just like super suave and cool. And it's like, why is why is this happening? Like, <laughs> this does not make sense. It's not the guy so, from Heroes, is it? I, th- I don't think so. And that's like the only person I could think of. That yeah, it might have been. I, like I also that was another like show I a show I did not watch but so so Karen so he they're having all these problems because the director is like flirting with her and like all the stuff and and he just sort of like doesn't understand like what she's doing and they get in this big fight he proposes he proposes to like patch it up she's like, I can't I'm in tech he goes to a bar who is beside him in the bar but Ivy, like oh. Karen's rival. And they're both like pissed at the world and they're both like pissed at Karen and they have never met. I was going to say, like obviously only, they don't know each other. But, and so like they've heard about they've one heard another. about each other. And so they also both have really unique names. Right. And so it's like, hey, I'm Dev. Hey, I'm Ivy. And so it's like implied that it's like that a they realize fuck. it. They realize who the other one is and they like hate fuck. <laughs> So like that also happens, and then he like um, of course that and happens. So that, but the, the, the in the, New York they go to the exact <laughs> same bar, and then they have like a moment where it's uh, he. So he had proposed, she said no, and then she has a moment where she's like, "I th- I think I want to say yes." I like reacted too harshly. Like, mm-hmm. let's talk about this. I was stressed out. I was stressed yeah. out. I think she just sort of like, let's talk about this. Mm-hmm. And he can't find the ring, and he realizes he left it at Ivy's. Oh, so then God. there's like a scene where like Ivy gives her the ring back. Oh my and she's God! Like, Why did Ivy have this? And he has to be like, oh, I cheated. Oh God. 
So like that's another. He conveniently mm-hmm. left it at her place. Conveniently left it at her place. There's like a subplot where the writer, the guy who wrote the book of Hit List, and the direct the guy who wrote the book or wrote the score of Bombshell have an affair. Oh wow! And then after he dies, it's treated like they were madly in love. Oh, but like, yeah. there's like a 15 year age difference. Like, and they just like fucked once. <sighs> yeah. And. But they have to have someone to like focus all the pain on mm-hmm. after he dies. So it's like, who right. was he most recently emotionally attached right. to in the show? Yeah, I'm trying to think of the other like. There's, yeah, like Jennifer Hudson is in it as like a she's there, she's in it as like a Broadway star, mm-hmm. and she has this like bra, a Bravo musical concert like does not ex- that does not exist a thing that does not that's exist so funny um, that's what I was wondering though if that's how they tied it in was like having these events that they perform yeah they like with keep making stars. these events of like it's a fundraiser the VMAs the VMAs <laughs> that like, would definitely have people from Broadway on <laughs> yeah, it yeah <laughs> and they have like oh no the VMAs is within the show of Hit List oh and they god. literally say oh, like I this see, is the VMAs oh my god and that's they have like weird almost the, the list of like places where they like fundraisers and they're at someone's house and they want them to invest so we're gonna just perform a song like yeah, off the cuff right or, um just insane ways there's they one where inventing. Karen and Ivy get drunk and they just start singing along with a guy like playing the guitar in Times Square uh-huh. and like have a big dance but they're just like drunk singing <laughs> It does feel like, even though that's a more satisfying watch, at least yeah. for me, to have it be all within the world of the show that they're yeah. singing, it seems so much more difficult. They had to just do so much. You could tell, like, I want to know if they sat down and was like, everyone needs to have a list of five places where you would yeah. sing and it would be socially acceptable. That's <laughs> like, really funny. Because Craziest Girlfriend just never has to make amends with that. No. It's just wherever they go is where they're singing. Right. And it's, yeah. and because it's all with Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, because it's a dream world, uh-huh. it ends up they can go anywhere. Right. Like, they can go back in time. Right. They, can, they do numbers with her as a kid, for sure. Yeah, and they have numbers where, like... That the characters one, that are singing in the songs aren't even actually present in the right. scene. Yeah, there's only a few that are like, oh, this is breaking out in the moment. Right. And we are watching this person sing. Right. And it's and even it's even, like, constructed, like stop like yeah. it's constructed of like why are you doing this or like or as if it was a monologue like yeah. people react like uh, the one I'm thinking of is the UTI song right where it's like clearly she's like no yeah it's clearly it's no and it could just be him being like ha 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 hoo, ha ha like uh, yeah him just reacting uh-huh. and then it's like oh in his mind, this is a song. Right. Like, and it might just be in person that he's, like, bragging. Right. Yeah. I guess it's funny because I thought of a Greg song, too, and it's just the Piano Man number that yeah, he does, like, at the end like, of the night. Yeah. And you're like, oh, that could be a thing that he's really doing, you know, yeah. for himself after the bar closes. Like, there's a magical piano here, but yeah. <laughs> it's still within the realm of reason of it. Yeah, like within- you said, being something that he's, like... Imagining or, mm-hmm. like... Yeah, even it's like heightening that thing. Right. Um, but in this, they really, there's no, <laughs> there's one dream sequence song huh. that I can think of that is like a true dream sequence. The director, Derek, 
the guy from Pirates of the Caribbean, is it is coming out that all these women are coming forward being like, he slept with me Oof. and and it's like, I said no and he fired me or I said no and he demoted me to the chorus or I slept he, I slept with him and he gave me a part. And mm. then um, one of the woman that ends up becoming the diva in Hit List, it is, she sleeps with him again and records their conversation and she's, it, it's like very obvious that it was like, please let me do this and I will, you know, like, let's do this thing. We're all adults and I'll give you the part. Gotcha. And he has a, a dream sequence of the women coming forward and singing <gasps> to him. Whoa. And that one, it's a cover. So they do usually like one or two, like two songs from a musical, like within the world. And then they will do covers huh. of stuff. And so, like, the covers, it's like if they're at an audition, they'll sing a cover of that something. That makes sense. Or there's one where at... <laughs> this like is, at one of those benefits or yeah, something. Yeah, the fundraisers, they'll sing a cover. There's one where it's the the opening night party for Bombshell and Karen and Ivy sing That's Life mm. together to be like, here's to a great opening. Like, there's a couple of those or... At karaoke, they sing covers, right? Um, but it's the only one. It's a dream sequence, and they sing "Would I Lie to You?" Uh. Yeah, that one. I forget. It's like, and it's all done in. Um, I, I yeah. feel like I know what yeah. you're talking about. And it's all done in a very like '80s. Um, Robert Palmer, like how he would have those girls. All the girls are done up like that. Gotcha. And it's like he, the the director's being like thrown around and kind of like lifted up mm. by the women as they're singing this song. Like, mm-hmm. would I lie to you? And it's like there's got to be a way that they could have done that. Like that same with you know doing a musical about pop stars and doing a musical about Marilyn Monroe. Like there has to be some number about some kind of sexual harassment right. or like trading favors that you could do like within that world. Like right. you certainly, there's certainly one you could have done with like Marilyn Monroe. Right. Of like a director pressuring her. Or what, like she's this like, the and the, the story. Yeah, it's like is, the parallel's already there yeah, and you're shoehorning in this other weird thing. And the other thing is they, the, the kind of like view that they take of Marilyn Monroe is that she's like this tragic figure that like all she wanted was to like settle down and like have a family and like be loved and so like that's there's a little bit of like conflict about that but that kind of ends up being like the spine of like all these discussions of Marilyn Monroe of like she just wanted to find love and settle down and and, like was trapped by stardom which is like not a bad like Marilyn Monroe trapped by stardom is like that's fine we've done that right we get it but like that the thing that she just like truly wanted was like to settle down and like get married and have a family. And they have a, just a bit of a discussion. There's a plot line with like a dramaturg that also exists. And it's that guy. Oh, I think his name's like Robert Sanjaya or Sanjuda. He's this, he's the guy that plays Holt in Devil Wears Prada. He was oh. on Rescue Me. He's, like, beautiful. You all know him. You Uh all have seen him. But he's a dramaturg, and he pitches this idea of, like, well, you could also look at it that Marilyn Monroe was uh, this shrewd businesswoman who knew she was, like, this beautiful woman that everyone wanted to get with, and she just leveraged that left and right to get what she wanted. Like, you can make the pitch that, like, she was not that great of an actress, but she is an icon. And, like, part of that is, like, her own business savvy. So, like, that's... And again, like, 
very interesting conversation. For sure. Totally could be tied into pop stars. Right. They don't do anything with that. Ugh. So <laughs> it, it, it seems like they didn't do themselves any favors. Right. Over the course it's, of the It's show. like... I, like I teach also and I'm just like make it easy on yourself like yeah. just make it easy on yourself like if you have XYZ trick like just do that right and don't invent eight other different things that you have to manage like if you can take one thing off the table for yourself do it and it's yeah. like you you have an interesting there's an interesting dynamic that you can ex- like explore for both pop stars and Marilyn Monroe of like are women like, do women just want to settle down or are they, in fact, shrewd businesswomen that use their looks and beauty and how men want to settle down with them to their advantage? Like, it's not the most enlightened, like, right. economy. Yeah. But you could have that be the core of a, a show. A whole season. A whole yeah. Se- that could be the core of, like, a whole season of a whole, like, of a musical of where pop stars and Marilyn Monroe, like, overlap. Mm-hmm. Of, like, these are women that use their looks and their beauty to get what they want. Right. Does not happen. Uh, <laughs> that's a good transition, though, yeah. into my last question, which is typically, how do you feel like your love of this show has influenced you both creatively and kind of, in general, in your life? Where does Smash fit in? <laughs> I mean, I think... As I was, like, thinking about this and, like, wanting to talk about it, I think a big part of it for me is that, like, we are watching creative people create. Like, that's, like, the core of the show. We are going to watch the making of this musical or two musicals or whatever. And as I was, like, re-watching the the pilot, Mm -hmm. the pilot is about, like, going on an audition. Like, an audition that you really want. And um, that thing of, like, being told... Oh, you're too this, you're too that, you're too green. Well, she's too experienced. Like, that is these actresses kind of figuring that out and learning how to navigate those roles of, like, oh, people think I'm really sexy. Like, Ivy's character and, like, Megan Hill, like, she's a blonde with, like, full lips and it's very curvy. Like, having a person be like, oh, how do I navigate being taken seriously? Right. If... Everywhere I go, someone is hitting on me or making a comment, like, about my body. And I can't just be a person. Yeah, and I can't just be a person. So I think there's, like, a bit of, of like, watching creative people create is always interesting. And, and like, it's the reason that we, like, watch TV shows about TV shows. Yeah, you know, like it's, It's, you know, 30 Rock moves away from, like, the content of the show. But it is, like, we're watching, like, people Ultimately. make a show. Mm-hmm. Um and yeah, there's a and like Empire and like a lot of the glee, like a lot of these like I don't know maybe like a good header is like m- musicals on TV or whatever, but like a lot of these things it's like watching creative people create, yeah, and, like watching that process and understanding and like appreciating that process. And so I don't know if it's so much and as, even like Atlanta, yeah, is a new entry into that that I really love and I think kind of nails what it's trying to say about the process and surrounding the like rap industry. Yeah. But yeah, we have all these examples of like, that's a category in and of itself of like shows about creative people trying to create Mad Men Mm -hmm. is that. Yeah, for sure. It is. And you know, Mad Men, you just get the added thing of like, Oh, we are, we're going to add business. Like we're going to add businessy stuff. (laughs) Right. But like Don and Peggy, they call there. We're the creatives. Right. We're, it's this, interesting 
sort of way to view like uh, the the what's at the center of like a television show. Right. And I also think like for all it is, it has really meaty parts for women mm-hmm. and like Angelica Houston and Deborah Messing are both like over forty and like they are and it's yeah, never. Man. Oh, that's really is, important. And this to is talk another about. one that I forgot. Deborah Messing has an affair with the man who plays Joe DiMaggio oh, in the Maryland musical. Shit. Her character has an affair, and they ended up getting married in real life. Oh no way! I think they're like married or dating, like in real life, and have been together for a wow. while. But it was like, and and it's built, but it's built in that like there's no question that like this forty year old woman. Or you know, forty-something woman yeah, yeah. would have an affair that this man would be interested in her, and she gets to like ha- have fun for like and have that storyline that's usually so relegated to like a, a I mean, man having said, an affair. Like the director kept you know yeah harping on those kinds of things with the women he was casting. It's like. Why not see this, you know, head bitch in charge? Yeah. Get some action too. <laughs> right. And like their storyline, it's a bit like they had they had, had an affair in the past and she doesn't want to bring him on but won't tell anyone why. And then she finally tells her writing partner, mm-hmm. We had an affair, you know, my husband I and I. And I think it, to... she's like, I was engaged. I, I don't know if they were engaged, if she was married, but she was definitely with her husband at the time like her current husband at the time gotcha of this other affair and she doesn't want to bring she's like it's going to be dangerous it's going to be bad and then she brings him on and they have all this sex right but it's like cool we get to see like this other that's a really good point this other thing that we don't always get to see and it's not and it's never like and two battling ingenues is like interesting you don't really get that too much yeah yeah and it's and they're never like very rarely is it like they're devolving into like classic, like soapy. There's a little bit of it of like, like kept women, ca- catty, and... or like oh, there's not. It's not like violent or pushing each other down the stairs or oh. like sabotaging each other. It's really just like, well, we'll see whose talent wins out. Right? Yeah. It's yeah. like I want this and I'm working hard to achieve it. Yeah. That's satisfying. Yeah. And yeah. they also like they split, so they're not competing for the same role. But it's like. Oh, we are two peers now. Like as right. much as I might discount you or you discount me, like we are two peers. Like we have to like be we with have each a other. Mutual respect yeah. for one another. And some of the songs are truly great. Like there's a moment in the mo- the last season of Girls, Elijah uses a song from Smash really? as like an audition song, and it's a part. It's a song that's like for Marilyn. Um, but it's in the one where he's auditioning for the White Men Can't Jump musical. That's and he so sings funny. part of Let Me Be Your Star, which is like, if you played a drinking game, one of the ones could be drink every time they play that song. Oh, so it's like when City of Stars in La La Land. Yeah, like, it's it just, just like, we get it. Yeah, it's the refrain. And it's also a little bit of like the thesis of the show. Like, um, I'm working hard. I want this thing. Right. Just let, and it's a little of like, let me be the star. Like, get out of my way. I can, and it's Marilyn's thesis kind of in the show, and then it sort of becomes a thesis for the characters in Smash. Um, but like the songs are great, and they do, they go, they did full musical numbers with like full, cho- That's complicated, so full choreography. And they released, they like released them all like on iTunes, like after the show. And I like, right. Oh, that's, I mean, that's the thing is, it seems like for all the extra effort and 
uh, budget that would go into something like yeah. this, it comes out tenfold on the other side. Yeah, because you can't sell a soundtrack to a show that's not a musical. Right, and they they have the, they have the soundtrack, and then they did. I really, I like desperately wanted to go. They did a a staged reading. I think they've done staged readings of both now of like all the material they have from either musical, oh. and they've done it as like. Like Broadway, but like oh, fundraisers for charity and stuff. I know they did one for Bombshell, and I think they did one for Hit List. And they just had to kind of like fill out the spots that yeah, didn't necessarily but it was, get written. More, it was for more the like show. a concert where they're like, right. really, they just had like Could all they would have is like the songs. the songs, and then like the line leading in or like the line. It's just leading sung out. through. <laughs> it's sung through. It's all sung through. Um, <laughs> but it's like these are things that like they've done stagings of these musicals they are they wrote them to be like truly stand like standalone musical pieces that could like the songs are great i think it's so cool that uh girls use a song from it yeah so like it's like why wouldn't the show smashed exist in the world of girls yeah you know yeah yeah And, and it's like these if if all this other like and if there was like a season three, it would be Oh, that I'm glad you brought this yeah, up. Yeah. It would be like the season three, it would be like they would find some way to rip off Hamilton. Uh, yeah. You know what I mean? Like it you know, maybe it would have been it would have been a little too early, but like right. if they made a season now Maybe it would have been the remake of like the first time they try to cover like, you know, uh, the Mean Girls musical or whatever yeah, yeah, yeah. it was, or it could have, or like, because they don't really get into it. But I could, like, if I had my druthers and uh-huh. produce season three of Smash, it would be like, okay, let's tackle, like, let's do a gender bent version or a race bent version of something, like how, because that is was becoming like the thing, yeah. of, on Broadway of like doing these race bent and like gender bent versions of things, uh-huh. like, let's do it, let's put. Like Jennifer Hudson can come back and she mm-hmm. can be and the oh oh and the the end of season three the next project that Deborah yeah, Messing's yeah. character is going to work on so there's two so Deborah Messing and her Christian Borrell her writing partner they split up everyone's splitting up and getting back together <laughs> and she's going to go write the Great Gatsby musical oh. and he is going to direct Sunset Boulevard the oh. musical but it's like. You could there. There's like a version of I would be like if I did it. I'd be like there's a version of the Great Gatsby that exists that's like all black, right? Or all Hispanic. Like there's yeah. themes in there you could do. There's reinvention and all this stuff, and, and that would be kind of enough to even comment on what Hamilton has done. Yeah, even if it wasn't like an American History musical. Yeah, or something yeah, yeah. Like that. but just like that differentiator and it and it, they do that thing where they they tell like a recognizable. Like, you could tell, like, if it was season three, it would be Great Gatsby, the musical. Right. And it would be, like, we have to get Karen to play Daisy. Right. <laughs> right. Exactly. And, it, and that, but, like, telling these, like, recognizable stories. So mm-hmm. it's, like, it's that thing of, like, they, that was a spot where they took one thing off the table. Like, right. we're not going to teach you too many new musical stories and plots to keep yeah. up with. You just have to know. In Marilyn fact, R- we're going to go so far that if you know the story of Rent, we're going yeah. <laughs> to mimic what happened <laughs> to the mimic writer. What happened to the real writer. So it's, it sounds almost like when you watch this show, it was like a sometimes a lesson in what not to do. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's definitely like there's things to learn from it in terms mm-hmm. of like, 
there's like great theatricality and they do really go there in terms of like, well, let's just have the shit happen. Yeah. Like I tell, I teach improv and I tell my students, I'm like, just show me the thing. Yeah. Don't talk about it. it. Just show me you're at the one yesterday and it was a, a, a catastrophe and a dog disaster. Like they kept saying it. And uh, I was like, I need to know what that means. Show me the show catastrophe. Me that, show me a catastrophe. And it's like a smash. I would be like, just do an episode where you just do hit list. And that's all we need. But it's a right. thing of like, just show me the thing. Do, uh-huh. the, do the drama. Go for the big, you know. Yeah. Take the risk a little bit of uh-huh. like, or the, like be ambitious. Like we can do a weird you know, song number that's like a dream. Yeah. Oh, I remember there's one more other dream one. It's Uma Thurman goes and has Indian food with Karen and Dev and Karen imagines a Bollywood number about how Dev needs to be more supportive of her. Uh. And it's called A Thousand and One Nights. And it's like... Amazing, but yeah. it, it is like a dream sequence uh-huh. of how he needs to support her. I feel like Bollywood numbers are is like the quintessential dream sequence at this yeah. point. <laughs> it's like oh, we're gonna have a bunch of we're people dancing in the street. Number. Yeah. yeah, there's a guy on The Bachelorette who uh, his thing. He's like, I love to dance Bollywood, and I'm like, oh, we need to see that. We gotta see. <laughs> we this. gotta get our eyes on that. We gotta get our Bachelorette. eyes on that. Bachelorette. Work with what you already have. Yeah. <laughs> Take Don't the invent. short steps. Don't invent. Take the easy step. Like, make it easy on yourself. <laughs> Maybe, like, the culmination of, like, all of my life will be writing, like, a Bachelorette musical. Yeah, That will be the culmination of all my life's work. It all does. Of the, all of the terrible TV I watch. sound like that's how it's folding in <laughs> at this point. It's, all the layers are going to collapse. The dream Just within a dream is going to fall in. Accept what you have in front of you. That's going to be and it. And work towards it. Yep. I can see it. I can see it. That's Smash Season 3. They're bringing yeah. it back. It's <laughs> The Bachelorette, the musical, uh-huh. Smash Season 3. Uh-huh. Guys, cut this out. I have to write it. I can't have anyone steal it. Copyright Allie Barthwell. You heard it here, and we have this on record. Yeah. So. You can't, if I just say copyright, it's copywritten. Yep. That's yeah. how that works. <laughs> uh, well, thank you so much yeah. for doing this with me. I'm sure we could continue to unpack I, this I show hope literally anyone longer. is like still listening at this point as I'm just explaining the show. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure there are some fans out there going, yes. Finally. Yes. <laughs> Someone. <laughs> Someone's talking about Smash. I yep. remember when it first got announced, I just thought it was going to be. I, it was a joke, but that it was going to be a whole spinoff show of the character Smash from Friday Night Lights. Because <laughs> I would watch that. Yeah. I would totally watch a whole show about Smash <laughs> going to college. Uh, and then I was like, wait, it's about musicals. It's you about like musicals. that, too? Yeah. <laughs> you also enjoy this. Don't, be, don't beat up yourself. Don't yeah. beat up on yourself. You also enjoy this. But, you know, Jason Cadams, if you're listening, yeah. you're looking for a way to revamp Friday Night Lights. Call it Smash. Yep. <laughs> uh, thank you so much. Yeah. This is a joy Thanks as so I expected much. it to be. <laughs> I love you, and I mean that. Anytime I get to talk about my love with my dear friend is great. <laughs> That's how I feel about it. So I, I may, gave myself an excuse to do it on a regular yeah. basis. <laughs> This has been a Nerdalogs production. If you'd like to help make more things like this, please visit patreon.com slash nerdalogs to donate today. And go to www.nerdalogs.com for more cool stuff. Thanks for being awesome.
thank you all, thank you all. I am Grabbot23548X.